Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Hey, Pastor Cal here. I hope that you are having an absolutely incredible summer. Um, Today, uh, I'm going to introduce you to someone who many of you know. You might know him because he's been on our staff for 28 years. And as I was putting the summer together, I wanted to ask Paul Carpenter uh, if he would come and bring a message. And normally he's a little bit reluctant to do that, but I just need you to know who Paul is. I met Paul probably 29 years ago, and he was doing an internship at a church up in Alaska, and we were at this camp, and we got to know each other, and I just invited him to come on our staff as an intern back when I was a youth pastor. And long story short, Paul has been through so many different ministries in our church where he's led and just put his touch of excellence uh, on on the whole deal. And I wouldn't uh, imagine how I could do ministry nor would I wanna do ministry without him. He is a integral part of our church and usually he's behind the scenes and you have no idea of how much he gives to his church. Now listen, he's been married to his wife, Katie, for like 25 years. I did their wedding a long, long time ago. I don't know exactly how long. They have two kids, uh, Callie and Kinsey. Uh, They're both uh, out of high school now. They're in the college years. Both of them, as they have grown up, including Katie, his wife, have served in this church in so many capacities uh, with worship and children, it's various things. Uh, This is a family that we are really, really blessed to have in our church. So anyway, all that's to say, hey, I'm excited for you to get a chance to hear Paul Carpenter, uh, senior exec on our our church staff. He's going to bring the message today. I think you're going to enjoy getting to know Paul. So bless him as he comes forward to bless you. Twenty-eight years uh, on staff here—that uh, is uh, hard to believe. And I also want to make sure you know that back then uh, the labor laws in Arizona were different. So I started full time when I was twelve years old. And so, if you want to do the math to figure out, you know, how old I am, there, there you go. Um, no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I am so thankful for this church and. Uh, uh, Met my wife here, raised our daughters here, and uh, so many of you have have loved on my kids, have loved on my wife, have loved on me, and uh, just uh, so uh, couldn't imagine ha- having done life anywhere else in here. So, Central, I want to say thank you uh, to you, which what you've meant to me. And uh, if you've been here uh, with us, you know uh, we're wrapping up a series uh, that's we've been going through uh, Hebrews uh, chapter eleven. And it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith and uh, looking at all kinds of different uh, people from the Bible and their faith and what that means uh, for us. And so several months ago, uh, Cal asked me, hey, could you preach the last weekend? And uh, it's on martyrs. And I didn't know how to take that exactly, you know, that I'm going to talk about being a martyr. And uh, uh, I was been thinking about it ever since. And a martyr is this, a martyr is somebody who... Uh, because they hold something sacred, they're willing to sacrifice their life, uh, face danger, pain, and suffering instead of give it up. Okay, that's, that's, that's what a martyr is. You value something so much, no matter what it would cost you, up to your life, uh, you'd be willing to, uh, to, 
to sacrifice. You'd be willing to do it instead of give it up. So I've been thinking about that for two months. And uh, the hard thing about being a teacher is uh, you're held to a higher standard. Uh, you're actually supposed to like live out what you teach uh, to a higher degree than uh, those you challenge to it. So been thinking about that, been thinking about it and, uh, uh, you know, valuing things enough, I'd pay whatever price that it costs. So I'm thinking about that. A couple weeks ago, we go on vacation, my wife and I, uh, we go to visit our daughters who are both uh, working this summer at Hume Lake Christian Camp in the mountains in California. And uh, my youngest, uh, her job during the summer is she's a high adventure guide. And so she's way up in the ropes, uh, leading kids through courses and stuff. And uh, she tells Katie and I, hey, I have one of my fellow guides uh, lined up that we're going to take you to through the high adventure course. And um, I tell her pretty quickly, uh, you know what? I really think I just need to cheer on your mom from the ground. And um, that's, that's what I feel comfortable with. I'm not a fan of heights, so I'm gonna do it. And then she starts laying into me of, dad, I'm really looking forward to this. And this would be a great memory. And you know, if you loved me, you, know, you would. And um, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Okay, a martyr is somebody who loves and values something enough they would face pain and danger uh, to not give it up. So I love my daughter. I love trying to be a good dad to her. So I agreed to do it. And uh, fortunately, there, uh, it was captured on film. And so uh, <clears throat> what I'm going to show you is the very last uh, obstacle, which is, which is how you get down from the, the course. And uh, what you're going to see is uh, my daughter, Kinsey, is on my right, and my wife is behind me. And I thought it would just be a great way for us to segue into our topic of what um, courage in the face of danger looks like. So watch this. Is there a ladder? You sound like my nose. Okay. No, I'm not. Don't take my hand off that. I'm not Blake. Don't yeah. take your What way does this test it? I don't either. Come on, Kinsey. Don't, don't push me. Close over the edge. And then what do you do? And you just take a step towards the street. <laughs> no! She just pushed me. She ran off me. I'm doing what I'm good and ready. Like, I, I can't. I'm going to fall if I do it. Has anyone ever got hurt on this? No! no. Don't yell at me like a two-year-old. I just turned 50. This step? Oh, no! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I appreciate the, the sympathy applause. I really do. Uh, and, and obviously, that's not courage in the face of danger. Um, and if you could tell, there's about 32 edits in that. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how long the actual video is of how long it took me to get from up there to, to on the ground. So uh, we're going to continue in our series. And like we've done every single week, uh, because we want uh, this to be just stamped on our hearts, we're going to read together uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's going to come up here on the screen. And uh, we've had seven weeks, gang, to get this down and to, to have it ready. So let's, uh, let's read this together. Read it with me. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay, not bad, not bad. You guys did, uh, did good. And, uh, and today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and, and pull them out. If you're not in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, go ahead and get there. And we're gonna read, uh, our passage for today is 32 through 38. It's Hebrews 11, 32 through 38. And if you wanna follow along with me, we'll, uh, we'll go through the whole thing and uh, we'll pray and then we'll, we'll look at what it means to us. So uh, verse 32. And what more shall I say? 
I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and uh, refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and in holes in the ground. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have uh, today to uh, to just take a look at your word and, uh, and Father, to see examples of, uh, of those who've gone before us in faith and, uh, and Father, just to contemplate uh, what it means for us today. And so I just pray that uh, you'll help us to open up our, our, our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to what you want to say to us today. And, uh, and Father, we just wanna be obedient to you. So we just ask your blessing upon this time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, the author starts off here in verse 32 and, and I really like, he, he said, what more shall I say? I don't even have time to tell you about. And then he's gonna take some time and he's gonna give us, uh, he's gonna list six specific people. And then he's gonna go through a whole bunch of other attributes that the faithful have done. So, uh, so let's, let's start off looking at the, the six who are mentioned here uh, right off the bat in verse 32. And I'm gonna group three of them together. The three I wanna group together are uh, Gideon, uh, Barak, and Jephthah. And the reason is, is because there's some similarity uh, to their story. So Gideon, which if you're here at the start of service, you know that uh, our student pastor in Glendale, Dwight, uh, brought the message about him. Um, so he was a guy who stepped into his, his calling. God asked him to go to battle. And he said, I only want you to have 300 men. And he had to go fight thousands. And he said, okay, uh, I'm willing to do that. Then Barak, uh, who's mentioned in Judges 4 and 5, he was to go into battle with only two of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, the reason for this is because I want you to know the victory's on my power, it's not on your power. So to put this in perspective, this would be kind of like telling the Phoenix Suns, uh, you're gonna play the Lakers, they get their starting five, and you only get two players. Well, when I think about it, that would still be kind of a close game. So... Um, <laughs> It'd be like saying Phoenix Suns, you only get one, one player and, uh, and the Lakers get five. And, you know, and then God still provides the, the victory. So, uh, so both these warriors are supposed to go into battle, one arm tied behind their back. The next, uh, the next warrior that we're looking at here is Jephthah. And that's in Judges 11 and 12. And uh, there's not a lot of scripture about him, but what we learned in these two chapters is God called him to go fight uh, Israel's enemy, the Ammonites. And uh, he was not... Uh, a perfect person, a flawless person. Uh, we know that when God asked him to go do this, uh, he made a vow to God and he said, hey God, if you deliver the victory to us and if I come home safe, uh, the first uh, person, animal, whatever that comes out of my gates, I'll sacrifice them to you. And, uh, and unfortunately, it ended up being his teenage daughter. So, um, so really bad, but it is good if your uh, teenagers ever wanna complain about what kind of parent you are, okay? You could... <laughs> Tell him, at least I'm not uh, Jephthah. Uh, so what did he do? He went into battle. 
and, uh, and God delivered them. So I love uh, all three of these warriors. They had to go into situations that from their vision, there's no way it was gonna work out. This does not make sense, God, that I would go into the face thousands with 300. It doesn't make sense. I'd only take two tribes when I could take 12. Okay, these people are powerful and God still delivered them from that. The next person here in verse 32 after those is, uh, is Samson. It's in Judges 13 through 16 that we hear about Samson. If you grew up in church, you, you probably know his story. Uh, the short of it is he was a strong, strong individual and it came from his hair. And if you haven't read his story, I'd encourage you, Judges 13 through 16, he's probably the most gullible man ever mentioned in scripture. And uh, the things that he falls for, it's unbelievable. Uh, the other thing that's hard to believe is uh, the public sins that he struggled with. And so he's not, not a flawless guy either. And God asked him, I want you to stand against the Philistines who were God's uh, people's enemy. And so it's one guy against a whole people group and at the end of uh, Samson's life, God provided him with strength that he had a tremendous victory over the Philistines. The next person listed here is David. And uh, David, you know, is through a lot of the, the Old Testament and uh, probably his most well-known story is when he faced Goliath and that's in 1 Samuel 17. But if you follow David's life, you know, he also was a flawed person, uh, very public shortcomings, uh, adultery and murder to name a few. Uh, but as a teenager, okay, as a student, uh, he stood up to an eight-foot giant knowing God would provide the victory, and God did. After David, it mentioned Samuel, and Samuel was a prophet at the same time as, as David, and Samuel's job was to be a spokesman in the middle of a culture that was far from God. So in faith, he boldly spoke God's truth in a society that was fiercely opposed to to his message. He didn't back down. He uh, unashamedly delivered what God wanted him to deliver. And um, it's probably hard for us to imagine um, a culture that would be against God's, uh, God's, God's truth, but uh, he, he stood up against that. And then if you skip down here, now that we're through 32, look at verse 33 with me. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of the lions, that specific action uh, is referencing Daniel. And the, uh, the Old Testament book of Daniel tells of Daniel's life. And specifically in Daniel 6, it shares about the time that because of his faith, uh, anyone who uh, prayed to anyone but the king was gonna be thrown in a lion's den. And Daniel continued to pray. He was thrown in a lion's den and God shut the mouths of the lions. So that's what that's referring to. Verse 34, quench the fury of the flames. This phrase is referring to Daniel's friends, is found in Daniel chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened was the king of the culture they were living in made a, a command that everyone had to bow down to his image whenever it was shown. And these three guys say, hey, we only bow down to God. And so they were, uh, the penalty was to be thrown in a fiery furnace. They were thrown in there and God saved them. So, the, so that little section right there is referencing them. Then it continues to go on. They escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Verse 35, women received back their dead. This is referencing Elijah and Elisha. Their stories are in 1 Kings and 2 Kings and how both of these prophets trusted God to overcome death for, for two sons that had passed away. They raised them uh, from the dead. 
Then continuing on, it says, uh, others were tortured. They refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. So this torture and mocked and jeered, uh, if you read through the Old Testament, lots of prophets, people who spoke for God, uh, they faced this. Probably the most prominent was Jeremiah, that uh, uh, he stood up and he spoke uh, against the culture that didn't want to hear what he had to say, and he paid the price for it. He was willing because of his faith to, uh, to give the hard message and, and receive the consequences of that. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. And this sawed in two by tradition, the prophet Isaiah, that's how he died. He, he, was, he was sawed in two. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. So he spends these, this whole first part of this passage, uh, he names six people that we can look at specifically what they did, and then just list all of these things that faithful people in the past have stood their ground, and then that's what it cost them. And they were willing to do it even though uh, that happened and, and the miraculous things that they saw. And I love the way that this passage finishes up. It says in verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. This world was not their home, saying their home was heaven. Their home is God's kingdom. So they're not even worthy of this world. What a, what a phenomenal honor that was given to them. So as we look at this passage I think there's some things that we can take uh, that can encourage us, that are common themes found throughout people who were commended for their faith. The first one is this, all were imperfect people. Every single one of them uh, was imperfect. Uh, Jephthah made a foolish vow. Samson and David had blatantly obvious sin issues. So perfection is not a requirement to be faithful. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful this is true. I've been following Jesus for a lot of years and I still uh, have things I struggle with. I still have things that I, that I do that sometimes I'm like, how in the world after all these years is that still an issue? Or, or how can I not uh, have more confidence in that, in that situation? So uh, have peace in knowing in order to be faithful for God doesn't require that you have to be a perfect person. It, it's, it's okay to struggle. That doesn't keep us from being able to have the faith that God calls us to have. The second theme is every single one of these uh, people and examples were given, they faced opposition and circumstances that were bigger than they could handle alone. A lot of times what God asked them to do made no sense or seemed impossible. They couldn't see how it would work out from their knowledge, power, and viewpoint. I know that every one of us in this room probably has at least one thing in your life that from your point of view, you can't see how it's gonna work out. Or maybe you have something you know that God's asking you to do that you can't see how it's gonna work out. And it's, it's beyond you for how this is, is gonna work. Okay, well, I can give you a piece that uh, the same thing all these faithful followers faced years ago, uh, we, we faced the same things and they were still able to overcome that. The third theme in this passage that I think we can relate to is no hardship was exactly the same or had the exact same outcome. Everyone faced different challenges and struggles. If you've been around faith for a long time, you probably notice when you look around at a fellow brothers and sisters that they, you watch somebody, you go, they have a, a really, really harder journey than I have. 
their, their path is so much more challenging than what I've had to face. Or you could have the opposite. You could be like, my, uh, my journey's been way harder than, than looking at someone else. Okay, each of us has our own personal journey. And when you look at this list, there are people that ran the whole gamut of, some of them it required their lives and others it just required them to face danger and, and suffering. So we're all unique in the hardships and the, uh, the price that we have to pay. So the last theme here, that I think should uh, encourage us is they all had a strong faith in God that fueled their courage. And that's our big idea today. So if you're prone to write things down, I encourage you to write this down. Fuel, uh, faith fuels courage. Faith fuels courage. Courage comes from faith. The mark of true faith is courage. Now, courage is a word that we can throw around a lot. So I wanna make sure that we understand uh, exactly the, uh, the weight that courage holds. It's a mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. It's strength in the face of uncertainty and hardship. Courage is standing strong when the easy route would be to walk away. So it doesn't take courage to stand for the right thing when everyone around you is standing for that. It takes courage to stand for the right thing when you're the only one standing for it. Courage is never easy. It doesn't take courage in your faith when everything is going well, or when it doesn't cost us anything. It takes courage when things are hard. It takes courage when you know the price is gonna be high for following after Jesus. So we spent the summer studying women and men from the Faith Hall of Fame. Women and men whose faith fueled their courage. No matter the price required to pay, how difficult or dangerous the situation, how outnumbered they were, how impossible it seemed, they were willing to do whatever following God required of them. And all of these centuries later, we're called to have that same faith in that same God. A verse that we like to talk about a lot here at Central that uh, is a key verse for us is Luke 9, 23. And it's Jesus' words. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Jesus tells us it's a daily decision to follow him. And he tells us that picking up the cross, this implies whatever it cost us up to our life, we should be willing to do because of our faith in him. It takes courage to have this type of faith that Jesus calls us to. Unfortunately, I think there are some things that hold us back from having courage. And, and really quickly, I, I wanna go through those because I think if you can identify what holds you back, you can overcome it. The first one is uh, we cling to comfort. We, we cling to comfort. And uh, there is a whole category of food that is called comfort food. Okay, anyone else here besides me a fan of comfort food? We like that, okay, yeah. Thanksgiving's the best holiday, yeah. Uh, we, love, we love to get comfort however we can, whether it's food, uh, whatever. And when I think about my day, my day starts with trying to be as comfortable as I can possibly be, because when I get in the shower, I make sure it's the exact temperature I want. Okay, I'm not getting in a half second earlier than it's, than it's exactly what I want. And then my day ends by realizing how important my wife's comfort is, because she steals all the pillows and the sheets. 
in the bed. So uh, it's, it's bookended for me. My, my comfort in the morning, her comfort at the, the very last, last thing. So, so here's the deal. We need to completely understand that comfort is the opposite of courage. Brene Brown beautifully put it this way. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. You gotta make a choice. When it comes to faith, what's gonna be your top priority? Is it gonna be comfort? Is it gonna be courage? Okay, so the first thing that can hold us back is clinging to comfort. The second thing that can hold us back is a fear of consequences. Uh, we all get what fear is. We, whether we admit it or not, we experience it. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is gonna call you, cause you danger or harm. Fear can keep us from obedience and stepping out in faith. We can fear that we're gonna be rejected if we do what faith requires of us. We fear that we're not gonna gain approval from those we wanna get approval from if we step out in faith. We fear that the thing God has called us to or asked us to do, we're not able to do it, so we're, we're, we're afraid. Mark Twain said this, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. Winston Churchill, fear is a reaction, courage is a decision. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, the next time that we come to the crossroads and our faith uh, is asking us to do something that causes fear in us, are we gonna turn the other way? Or are we gonna choose courage? So clinging to comfort, fear of consequences, and then third, lack of trust. Lack of trust can keep us from having a courageous faith uh, because we don't fully trust God. We doubt that the God of today is the same God we just read about. Yeah, well, God used to work that way. I don't know if he can work in my situation. We don't think he could work through us because we focus on past disappointments and short, shortcomings. And so we don't step into uncertainty because it's hard for us to see how it could turn out. It's hard for us to trust that God's gonna make things move that we don't think can move. So our question is, when we're asked to do something that takes incredible trust in God, are, are we gonna step across that divide? Are we gonna overcome a lack of trust and trust him when he calls us to it? Okay, so when you came in today, you should have received a rock. So I want you to pick up that rock. I want you to hold it. Okay, this rock represents whatever is holding you back from having courage in your faith. And what it could be, it could be comfort. And I think something to wrestle with is this whole thing of, if we were to ask ourselves, when's the last time we got uncomfortable because of our faith in Jesus? That might be a hard thing to remember. So do we need to choose courage over comfort? Is it a fear of consequences? Is it, is it hard for us to remember the last time we actually paid a price because of our faith in Jesus? Are we gonna get past that fear? Is it a lack of trust? Is it we can't see how this thing could work out so we're not gonna do what we know God's asking us to do? And I'm confident 
in this room and whatever room that you're in right now, there are people that a specific thing has come upon your heart, across your mind, that you know God has been asking you for a while to have courage in. And you've not taken that step for whatever reason. It could be sharing your faith with someone that you know he's asked you to share Jesus with. You just haven't got the courage to do it yet. It could be a relational issue. There's somebody you need to courageously step into trusting God and forgiving them. Maybe it's in your marriage. You know, things have gotten to a point you know that you need to take a step to bring health to it, and you just don't have the courage to, to seek help, to get someone else to speak into that to help. Maybe it's loving your enemies. You know, God's calling you not to hold something against someone, and you just continue to do it. Maybe a sin issue. There's a sin you're so tangled up in, you just can't see how to get out of it. And really it starts just with the courage to confess and repent and turn the other way. And you know, that's what you need to do. So what we're gonna do is we're all gonna take this rock that represents whatever it is that keeps you from being as courageous as you could possibly be in your faith. And we're gonna surrender it and the way that's gonna look, you're gonna take your rock and you're gonna cast it into a can. And I love that there's noise to that because you're declaring in your heart, hey, I'm making this decision. This is how I used to approach my faith. This is how I'm gonna approach my faith going forward. You're making that decision in your heart. You're declaring it before God. God, I confess I've not been what I need to be in this. I'm surrendering it to you, trusting you. And then you're letting your uh, church family know, hey, I, I put a stake in the ground today. This is how I'm gonna live. So I'll lead us in prayer. The band will lead us in a song. And when you're ready, you come up and surrender that thing you need to surrender. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much just for your word. And... Uh, the wisdom that's found there, the instruction that's found there. And Father, I wanna pray right now for, uh, for all of our hearts. I know that we desire to follow after you and I know things uh, get in the way of that. So when it comes to having a faith that fuels courage, please help us to surrender to you whatever you ask of us. And Father, I ask that you open up our eyes on the other side of this to see how you work. Because the God that we read about in this passage is the same God today. And we know that you can deliver us through any situation and you can make anything that's impossible possible. So we wanna trust you with that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.